BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head over to BetOnline today to become part of the team and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. This is the Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Folks, the Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sun Belt. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's it's just frustrating. It, it's... <laughs> Back for another edition of Fun Belt Podcast. To no one's surprise, App State captured the men's title maybe it was a little bit of a shocker on the women's side not really Marshall able to go what was it 19 and one to capture the women's side they were ninth in the preseason poll but guys was that really a shock to anybody that those are your top teams as we get ready for Pensacola this upcoming week well you know the men it was predicted that JMU would be first and Appalachian State would finish second it flip-flopped. Everything after that was kind of a surprise. I mean, ODU was fit, was picked to finish third. They didn't get to finish third. They finished dead last. Arkansas State and Troy were picked to finish eighth and ninth, respectively. They ended up third and fourth. So it's really hard to predict the Sun Belt. Tubs, tubs, tibs. I mean, it's a, it's the entropy. It's the it's the magic of the Sun Belt. It's almost impossible to predict. Shane, with with your two Russians there, I mean James Madison <laughs> didn't finish where we expected them to. Any, any surprises there as as you get ready for Pensacola? I think you know, like you said, Marshall wasn't picked to finish as high as they did on the women's side. The fact that they ran through with only one loss, I think, is a surprise. Yeah. No, this is necessarily a surprise after we saw the first half of conference play. I think we kind of knew where everybody was, where everybody stood, but but. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's probably the biggest surprise is how how quickly Marshall got adapted to their new system on the women's side. Well, no, you know, regard- you know, the interesting thing about that though is JMU finishes the exact same record they had to get the number one seed last year. So that shows you just how good Marshall has been, because um, usually, you know, three, four, five losses is enough to be contending for a championship. And consistency is key. I blame Neil Hurl with the with the hair bun. I think he did something different this year, and that's why they were they kind of slipped down a little bit. But guys, regardless what we think about the Sunbelt Conference, we have Ryan McGee from ESPN, Ooh. the worldwide leader in sports. Wow. To tell us from the outside looking in what's going to happen in Pensacola for the Sunbelt Conference. Ryan, welcome in. It's a shit show as always, but but we uh we love <laughs> to do it on a weekly basis. Tell us. What do you see happening out of the Sun Belt for the men's and women's basketball tournament? Do you think it's Marshall and App that just kind of breeze through the tournament, or is there someone else that you have your eye on? Well, I was uh, I was texting with my boy Joe Lenardi, 
um, the bracketologist, right? And wow, uh, at least on the men's side. And so this is the time. I'll always, I always joke with Joe. Joe is literally one of the nicest people on planet Earth. And and I always joke with Joe because I don't hear from him. In in the it, once the tournament starts, the NCAA tournament starts, you don't hear from Joe. Like he 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 vanishes. His job is done. And then you don't hear from him again until right around the first of January. And all of a sudden, our inboxes at ESPN just become full. And it's like you know. You got this, you know, strength coaches, so-and-so got fired or, you know, NIL, whatever. And then there's 14 emails from Joe. And and every every night he emails while I'm asleep. And every morning I get up and I look at it to see what he says. And, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i looking at it now. Um, and this was on Saturday night as all, the, as all the games were wrapping up. And it was, you know, he has his last four buys, last four in, first four out, next four out. And there sat James Madison in the next, next four out. So – uh, on the men's side. So yeah, it's, it's, um, this is why, and I, I love the Sun Belt because I grew up in the Southern Conference. Uh, my dad worked at Furman when I was in high school. I graduated high school in Greenville, South Carolina before Greenville was cool. Now it's awesome. You know, Tiger Woods lives there. When I lived there, everybody couldn't get out of there to hell fast enough. Um, but now, um, so that's why I love watching Sun Belt basketball because I went to so many Southern Conference tournaments, uh, in Asheville and, you know, and it was App State and it was Marshall. And, um, you know, and it was usually, uh, you know, my beloved Furman Paladins being knocked out in the first game of the tournament. But uh, that's why I love watching the conference. But, yeah, it, it would appear on the men's side that uh, that JMU is the team that, that everyone's going to keep an eye on because they're the ones that could that could backdoor this thing. How many wins do you think it takes for them to get that second bid the first time ever in Sunbelt Conference? Do they have to go all the way? to maybe fall in that championship game or, or is uh, one game enough? I think that history has shown us it would behoove them to make it to the championship game. And, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's any reason to think that they won't. Um, but if a perfect case scenario for the Sun Belt is, is that App State and JMU make it to the finals and obviously someone's going to get a, a, you know, someone's going to get the bid and then someone is going to, uh, someone has a chance to, to, to get that. And, and it's, it, it, to me, it's why it's fascinating. It's why all this talk about expanding the tournament to 150 teams, or whatever is crazy because, you know, this is the one time of year where the world is watching some about basketball, right? This is the time of year when people, when, when they're watching conferences that they probably never even heard of on the West coast, but they're watching because watching these teams uh, with a chance to play their way in, and it's not just the team that wins the tournament, they get the automatic bid. It's also the team like a JMU that makes a run. So, yeah, that's a really long way of saying, I believe you get to the finals and you'll be okay. If you don't get to the finals, um, then you're going to have to get a lot of help um, from some of these other teams that, that I'm sitting here looking at on Joe's bubble. So, Ryan, you, you talk about needing help, getting on the bubble. There, JMU, for instance, sitting somewhere in the 50s for uh, net I always thought that in order to get a a, a at-large bid, that to even have a shot, you need to be in the low 40s just to have a shot. Yeah. Is that true? Is that just a gut feeling on my part, or do you feel like it's the same thing? It's a, it's a it's a gut feeling, but it's a well-educated gut feeling. Like you know, right? It's, there you go. And my first name, my, my actual first name is Jeremy, by the way. So good job. Oh, okay. but, but, oh well yeah. done. I don't know why my parents decided to go by my middle name, but they did. A lot of long day, first days of school. But but when you go by your middle name, if somebody calls house house for Jeremy, then I just 
I know they don't know me, right? I'm like, oh, he's dead, and I hang up. But anyway, uh, I, I don't I don't need a reverse mortgage. I'm good. But but the but but yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think that, and I don't know that that's necessarily fair. Um, yeah. you know, but 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 the reality is is that you are dealing with a committee who knows a lot about basketball. Um, but um, if they're being honest with you, they've paid attention to certain teams and certain conferences, and you know, this week, and and so. You know, when you have that 40-something sitting next to your name, it helps. When you get into the 50s and the 60s, you just – you've given them an excuse to just say, I don't know, they're ranked too low. You know, you guys know I cover college baseball. And, um, you know, all the mathematical formulas that go into it. And in the end, all, 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 of, all of that exists for no reason other than to justify when you don't pick a team. And, and so I think, yes, uh, being in the 40s, you're good. Anything lower than that. You're going to have to thrill America on national television in your conference tournament. Do you think net is valuable? Do you think it's pretty accurate, or do you just think that it, it's sort of an eye test is better than the metrics that the net is putting out? Um, the eye test is everything to me because, again, this is the week when people are actually watching you. You know, they, they can go back and look at this, what the numbers are. Oh, they got an awesome win over this team in January. You know, they played really well in this tournament when the season started, you know, back late last fall. All that's fine. But the reality is not a lot of people are paying attention then. So I think the eye test is um, – I think it, when it, certainly when it comes to the bubble, I think mm. the eye test is everything. But, but, but little math doesn't hurt. You know, you, you got to be able to back it up, right? It, it can't just be – you know, again, I, I live in Charlotte, right? And it's all – Michael Jordan's pick when he was running the Hornets was just whoever he watched have a great run in March, right? And, and, and you're like, hey, damn, dude, you know, th th that guy really didn't do anything in November, December, January, February. Michael didn't want to hear that. So th that's the way a lot of people are going to pick their brackets, and that includes the selection committee. Well, let, let me ask you this, because we, we've talked about the possibility of being a JMU App State final, and that's pretty good for the conference. Right. And JMU is probably the one that has the better shot at an at-large. But if they lose to App State for a third time, do people yeah. look at that differently as they lost to the same team three times, even if we're talking about a 30 win team? Yeah, no, I, th I think it doesn't hurt. I mean, it doesn't help. I mean, there's no question about that, but, but, um, but then again, there's also that point of, well, the only team you all that really handed you your deal was clearly the best team in the conference and, and a team that no one's going to have any problem getting into the tournament. So um, I could see both ways, but man, that's a hard, again, what you don't want to do is you don't want to give them reasons to not pick you. And, and, you know, something that they can point to and say, well, eh, eh, you know, and so it's, if you're 0-3 against this team, um, then it's a pretty good argument against you. Whereas if you beat them once, you know, then you're in. The, the problem is, uh, you know, it's really hard to beat a team. If you're out of state, it's really hard to beat a team three times in a year. I mean, it, it really is. I don't care who you are. And so, yeah, that's a long way of saying um, – if you get one win against that team, it's you're in great shape. If you're 0-3, then, again, you're giving them an excuse, just like if, you're, if your rating is in the 50s and 60s, you're giving them an excuse to go, ah, you know, we're going to take the ninth best team from the Big 12. So, yeah, Commissioner Keith okay. Gill is, is a guy that, that's on the selection committee. Yeah. Is that something that can really help? are hurt because I mean, it, I think it's one thing when you've seen Greg Sankey on that co selection committee before, we all know it's going to be a sec uh, strength that, that really gets them over the top, but Keith Gill not being able to be in the room to kind of petition for those teams. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
Um, obviously, he has to recuse himself. You know, when the conversation starts about his team, it's just like with the college football playoff selection committee. If you're the AD at wherever and your team is in there, you got to get out of the room. Um, but I think it helps having representatives in the room all the time because they, there are certainly things that you can say when the discussions are happening to say, well, you know what? Uh, we played so-and-so, and I can tell you they're really good. Or, or one of our teams played so-and-so, and I can tell you they're pretty overrated. So there's definitely uh, – it definitely doesn't hurt. I'd rather you have a representative in the room part of the time than have no one in the room any of the time. So there is a Jedi mind trick ability in that room. Uh, and it's just information. You know, and, and, and when we do – I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but we've done these mock selection committees. I've never done it for basketball. I've done it for the college football playoff three or four times. And you sit in the room – You've got the access to the same data. Um, you know, you have the same three-ring binder. Um, you know, when it comes to the college football playoff, Bill Hancock sitting in the room. And, you know, it, it's you're literally in the same room as the committee. And it's so eye-opening because you learn a couple of things, which is, number one, you learn how the process works, which fans think they understand. They don't really understand. And people who like us who cover the sport think they understand and they don't. And the other thing you learn is groupthink is real, right? Stockholm syndrome is real. And when you've been sitting in the room with these people um, and and I don't care who you are, if you start saying, well, you know, I can tell you this, when App State played so-and-so, they did this. When App State played so-and-so, they did that. When App State – and they beat them, beat all these teams, that 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 enters into the room. And, and it's a smart group of people. So, again, I would rather have someone in the room part of the time than have no one in the room any other time. How great is it that the ESPN platform is really where we get to see all these games so that you don't necessarily have to go to Pensacola? And how far do you, do you feel that this league has really stepped up knowing that it's it's at a vast improvement from the days of being in Hot Springs, from even being there at the conference offices there in New Orleans to really kind of have that uh, third-party location there at Pensacola? It's great. And, and again, and again I, I grew up going to, um, you know, mid-major – uh, conference tournaments as a kid. My dad was a college administrator and worked in uh, division two, what we used to call one double a FCS schools. And so I, these are the tournaments I grew up going to, and I've attended so many and, and attended, I'm kind of a sicko. So I was, I've attended a lot and just bought tickets. And I've also attended, I, I went out to Vegas one year and went to four different conference tournaments in 10 days in the same city. And, uh, cause I'm just, cause you know, I, apparently I don't like being married, but, but, but it was great. But, but the point is, is that, I believe that whereas I don't, I think there's a future in college football without conference championship games, I, I don't ever see a future without conference tournaments in basketball because that's where you – I love that environment almost more than I love the first and second round of the NCAA tournament because the atmosphere is great, and when you handle your tournament the right way, and I think the Sun Belt's done that. And and I say this about ESPN. I was at a speaking engagement the other day, and – you guys have done these things where you talk for a little bit and you do a Q&A. And the very first question was from a guy who's trying to get me, you know, and he's like trying to, trying to prove that ESPN has ruined college sports. I, I, this is the time of year when I would argue that ESPN is, is the greatest champion for college sports because you think about the women's tournaments. I mean, I was watching uh, th this morning, I, I was watching my alma mater, you know, Tennessee uh, playing South Carolina basketball and, you know, Caitlin Clark, and you know, at Iowa is a is a global superstar. You know, gymnasts and and baseball players and softball players and and now to me, this is where 
the marriage of ESPN. And I'm just saying this because I've worked there my whole life. I, I, I would believe this if, if it didn't work there. Um, but, but, but I think that the showcase that the networks give it, that, that the app gives it, that, I, I, you know, you can watch all your games. And, and when it comes to this time of year, the numbers will tell you, like college bowl games, people can't get enough. You know, you can say whatever you want about there's too many games, whatever. People, the numbers will tell you when we get to the end of the next couple of weeks that people love conference tournaments. And then I would say go to one and you can watch all the other ones on your phone, right? And so it's a long way of saying, I think what the Sun Belt has done is great. Establishing a home base, establishing a tournament, um, and, uh, and you know, make it turn it into a showcase, which I think is important. Yeah, right. I have to agree 100% about at least your, the tact that you've taken about ESPN uh, bringing, putting a nice spotlight or availability yep. to these, some, these uh, smaller conferences. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, before, to watch a Sunbelt tournament, you had to go to Hot Springs, Tibbs. Yep. Shay, yep. you had to go all the way to Hot Springs, Arkansas, if you wanted to see any type of tournament. And maybe there might be on ESPN, too, maybe the championship game. Yeah. Probably not. Now, now at 11 a.m. on a Saturday, right? Absolutely. So, right. Well, yeah. you guys know I cover college baseball, and and out in the Sun Belt, obviously, is a, I mean, is a great college baseball conference. And I mean, just a few years ago, you couldn't follow the first round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, you, you certainly couldn't watch the games. Hell, you couldn't find scores. I, I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter and can't yeah. find out who's winning, you know, the West Coast games or you know, who's winning, you know, a game in Louisiana. And so now they're pretty much all televised, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's, even if it's students doing it and you're watching on your telephone, you at least have the opportunity to watch it. So it's, um, and, and this time of year, you're exactly right. It's not just watching, you, know, you can watch the conference championship games, men's and women's own actual television, but you watch all the rest of it, you know, uh, through streaming. And I, I just think that's, that's, I mean, as a parent alone, that's great. You know, I, I just, I think about, you know, I'm at that age now where my daughter's a freshman in college. I'm at that age now where all of my friends have kids who are in school and a lot of them are athletes. And now, you, I, you know, you have the opportunity to watch them play and uh, to do that before you got to get on an airplane or, or take a road trip. And I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a big deal. And, it's just, and again, it's just a showcase for conferences. And when an athlete's trying to make a decision about where they're going to go, um, you know, if they see what looks like a pretty good time, yeah, I, I talked to these West Coast baseball players that all have transferred from UCLA and Stanford powerhouses to schools in the Southeast. And at first blush, you think that's about NIL. No, it's not. What it's about is they got back to their dorm room and they were watching games um, in the Sun Belt and in the SEC and in the ACC, and they're seeing 6,000 people at a Friday night game, and they just played you know, in a top 25 matchup at UCLA with, with 300 people there. You know, it's a recruiting tool, and I think that that benefits everybody. You know, and that certainly includes some belt. Yeah, I also really like that they play a week earlier than a lot of schools. Yeah, I love that. They, they get Monday, it. the championship Monday, to themselves basically. And I love it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's smart. So, the Sun Belts never had a national title in baseball. We were we were a rain delay away from being able to claim the one that Coastal Carolina had. Yeah. Most people think they were in the league. They were not just yet. It was actually the following day where they actually officially joined the league. What a weird night! That, that was the weirdest night of all time. We had a rain out without a rain out, and we had two. Mm -hmm. I was in the press box that night. We had two conference commissioners, and one both were claiming Coastal, 
you know, and, and, and if we got to midnight, then that was, and I remember, I remember walking back to the hotel that night and they were in the cloud in the sky and we'd had a rain delay to move. Anyhow, I, I, that was one of the all, all time weirdest nights, but then the next day is one of the greatest days I ever covered out there. For sure. Do, do you think that we've kind of bypassed the days where a mid-major program like one in the Sun Belt can win a national title? No, I don't think so. I, I think that, I think that, the, the problem is keeping your guys in the building, you know, but the reality is if you keep your roster together and you get hot at the right time and, you know, like that coastal Carolina team and coastal had been really good at baseball for a long time. They, they've stayed, they've remained good at baseball. You know, um, one of the great, one of my favorite coaches of all time to cover, who's going to be retiring at the end of the year. But, you know, for a team like Coastal to do what they had to do, they had to have the right combination of like third and fourth and even fifth year guys. And so, you know, so you got to keep your roster in the house. That's, that's the trick right now. The challenge right now is if you got a center fielder who hits 390 with 28 home runs, you got to make sure you keep him on the roster for the following year and he doesn't go to Mississippi State. You know, so so that that's that's the challenge. But but I think I think you absolutely can do it. And and the history of college world series tells us, even now, there's always one. You know, I, I don't I don't you, you go back and do the to the history of the college world series, going back to the forties, and there's always the eight teams that get there, there's at least one Southern Miss. There's at least one, you know, even going back to the day with Creighton and Maine and Harvard and Hawaii, there's always one in almost every single bracket of eight where you go back and look at those brackets, and you're like, man, I had no idea that so-and-so was in the College World Series. So, yeah, I, I think you can absolutely do it because I think baseball, maybe more than any other sport, is about chemistry in the clubhouse, but it's also about catching lightning in the bottle at the right moment. And if a team catches at the right moment, like Coastal did, um, with a really talented group of guys, then then they absolutely can get over the top. Does the Sun Belt have a better chance of keeping those guys in baseball than they do maybe – if we're talking football or basketball or whatever, because they do have programs that, you know, will draw as good a crowd as a power five conference in, in baseball. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's the ticket. And, and you know, uh, again, I, the that team that LSU had that won the college world series last year, that was, that thing was, I mean, that was a bunch of free agents, um, that was loaded. but it, they were loaded. But, but when I talked to Paul Skeens and my, my best friend in the world is a professor at the air force Academy and my, my old roommate from Tennessee. And, it's a beautiful place to watch baseball. If they're in the top 25 and Air Force is a lot and they're playing against Stanford or whomever who's also in the top 25, on a big day, they got 250 people there, right? And, and, and you know, UCLA, when I was talking to Thatcher Hurd, who, who transferred, was, was the winning pitcher in the championship game uh, for LSU, and Thatcher transferred from UCLA, was going to be their number one starter. This is UCLA. They play in Jackie Robinson Stadium, right? I mean, this this is this is a, a an anchor of South, Southern California baseball. And Thatcher Heard told me, yeah, he got NIL money. He gave it all away to charity, by the way. But he told me he said he would watch television. That's who I was referring to earlier. He'd watch go go back to his dorm and watch TV on a Friday night, and even on a, even on a, on a on a midweek game when LSU's hosting, you know, ULM or whoever, you know, there's. 7,000 people there. So, yeah, I believe that the Sun Belt has an advantage because of where they're located. Um, and, and they also do a great job of, of the, the ballparks are great and the coaches are great guys. And so um, I, I think 
I think if anyone, if there's going to be a mid-major that's going to keep hanging in there in, in college baseball and crashing the party of the SEC and the ACC and all that, it, it, I think it's always going to be some of So in this day and age of NIL, is it time to revisit the college baseball three-year rule? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's fair. Um, I, I just uh, – I want to revisit all those rules, right? I mean, they just, they, you know, we love college basketball. We're talking about college basketball, but the one and done thing, I mean, completely gutted the game as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, Caitlin Clark's a superstar because people know who she is because she's been in school for three years, you know, and, 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 and the men's side, you just don't really have that anymore. And so it's, uh, um, and if you do, you got like, you got a kid at, at Tennessee who's one of the greatest players I ever had to go have him for a year because he played at two other schools before he got there. And so, it's just we're, we're still rooting for laundry, right? We always have been, um, but I, but that's a yes. I believe it's time to revisit the three year rule. Why not? And um, you know the trick on that is is you got to get Major League Baseball and college baseball to cooperate. The good news is they've done a lot more of that. I and mean, we've seen it with the draft, having the draft in Omaha and, and moving it off the College World Series week. Um, we've seen that cooperation more and more over the years. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for that. So one of the things we've all been a part of that, <laughs> that was the agony. Yes. And I think that we had four-letter words that weren't just R-Y-A-N when referring to you in the past. <laughs> You're the creator, the voter, the extraordinaire of the, the ESPN bottom 10. Yeah. How did that kind of come about? And how great is it also that here recently, the Sun Belt has uh, not really been a part of that uh illustrious poll yeah the uh all right so i, I appreciate you guys when, when you asked me to come on i was like is this an ambush like am i being set up right now so i appreciate i appreciate the fact that it's been so pleasant but here so i did not create the bottom 10 the bottom 10 was created and if you read the bottom 10 in the intro i write we always we always say with apologies to a couple people and we always say to steve harvey that is not Steve Harvey from Family Feud and the Sun. Okay. That's Steve Harvey that was a West Coast writer, uh, was a West Coast college sports writer forever. He's retired now, living on a beach somewhere. But he used to just do a syndicated, like, bottom 10. And back, back in the day when I was a kid growing up in North Carolina, you know, on a couple back pages of the paper, and it's got all the box scores and the cross-country meet scores, there'd be sometimes in the paper be, like, the bottom 10. And Steve Harvey would do that. And so – he retired years ago. ESPN started doing it. We had a couple of different editors, writers did it. I took it over, I think, 12 years ago. And as my wife will tell you, I take it entirely too seriously. Now, that being said, the process is Captain Morgan and I write it on Sunday night, you know, and you, and you guys know the deal. So you bust your butt, right? You work on some big enterprise investigative story and like you travel the world and you you work with outside the lines and E60 and 30 for 30 and you work on these things and no one reads it. And then I spend an hour drunk on Sunday night, right in the bottom 10. And it's the most traffic, you know, anything I ever, write gets. but but the best part of the, of the bottom 10, and this is, this is why the Sun Belt has been so great. The best, the, the best part of the bottom 10 is I mentioned, I sent my daughter off to college last year. That's what it feels like when a team is awful and, <laughs> And you've been writing about them and quite frankly have run out of things to write about them after seven, eight, nine years when all of a sudden they turn the corner and they're going to bowl games every year 
it's the greatest. Like it's the greatest. I feel like I have graduated college. The I think my, when I took it over, my first bottom ten champion was Georgia State, and to the point, and I and I, and I would write Georgia State, not Southern. Georgia Southern, not State, whatever. <laughs> And to the point that at the end of the year, Georgia State like sent me a care package, you know, oh. with a T-shirt that said Georgia State, not Southern. And now they go to bowl games every year. And it's the greatest. Like, I feel like, again, I feel like I've sent my kids off to school. It's so that's, that's, the, that, that's what it is. That's, that's totally what it is. That, but the good news, so it's never mean spirited. It's not supposed to be. We never write, we never write kids' names. Like, there's never a player's name. We might say the punter did this or whatever, but we don't, we, we, we try to have fun with it. Um, but uh, but when a team is no longer when UTSA had a chance to go undefeated and now all they do is go to ball games every year last three years in a row it's I, I feel like I feel like I'm a part of that I feel like it's feel like it's my school right that did it so yes I love watching teams leave the bottom ten and the good news for the Sun Belt is the MAC just has it cornered right now so <laughs> so uh, and and I feel like it's going to be like that way for a while so we'll see. So does that add fuel to the the weirdo sicko conversation that happened where we should have the irrelevant bowl? The 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 two worst yeah. teams. Oh yeah. I yeah. I one and two in the bottom ten should duke it out for for who is uh the the worst team in college football. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm all for it. And, and and it's funny because every now and then somebody will post. I think we should do so and so have it. I'm like, yeah, I came up with this a really long time ago. So yeah, can you imagine? I mean, just why not? I mean, it's I mean, everybody complains about there being too many bowl games anyway, which by the way, I don't agree with. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm at the I'm at the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I'm, I, you're, you're, by the way, y'all talking to the spokesperson, Myrtle Beach Bowl. That's how much I love Myrtle Beach Ball. And so <laughs> so I you know, I I grew up, my dad was a college football referee. So I grew up going to bowl games. And the most fun we ever had was going to, you know, mid-level, lower level bowl games. You know, when, when dad would get the Rose Bowl, he wasn't any fun because that's like a business trip. But when dad got the independence bowl, it was the most fun we ever had. He took the game very seriously. But we just – it was fun, and the teams had fun. And so the weed eater in the tennis ball back in the day, by the way. So, so I yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So why not – why not just play it? I mean, just, you know, give the kids a chance to play another football game. And, um, you know, I think it'd be fun. I know some people. I could get that televised. So we'll – we'll you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Right. There's hope, Jeremy, for you to go to a, to a bowl game. That, yeah. I, that would be nice. Ryan, I has it, did you ever have an instance where a coach would call you or text you or email and say, "Listen, man, you're killing my recruiting." No, but I, I tell you what, I have had is I've had coaches who like work for ESPN, and then like as an ant, like they get fired or whatever, and they come work at ESPN for, as an analyst, and then they would take a job. I remember Bob Davy, Bob Davy, who coached coach Notre Dame, you know all that, and then Bob worked for us for a while. And then Bob Davy took the New Mexico State job. Yeah. And and I didn't really know him that well. And I got a phone call. Ryan, it's Bob Davy. I'm like, hey, coach. He goes, I need you to take it easy on us in the bottom 10 next year. I'm like, well, <laughs> coach, good news. There's a really easy way to, to solve this problem. And in fact, we, on Marty and McGee, uh, just this past weekend, we had uh, Barry Odom on. And 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 Coach O was, you know, Odom was, uh, of course, at Missouri. Uh, he's at Arkansas as a defense coordinator, and then he took the UNLV job. And I would write UNLV, and it would be lowercase letters, except the L was uppercase. That's how I would refer to them. And <laughs> nice. because, they were awful. They won. They won the bottom ten championship, I think, three years ago. And Barry won nine games and took them to a bowl game. First time they've been to a bowl game in like uh, more than a decade. So, 
So yeah, coaches like to get the best part is we do the code at fifth spot. And that's where for folks that don't know, that's not for the actual fifth worst team in the country. That's for like if Ohio State loses to Michigan again, mm-hmm. I'll put them in the code at fifth spot. You know, or or if a team, you know, gets upset, loses, you know, back in the day it would have been when Michigan lost App State, they would have landed in the bottom 10. And they're not the fifth worst team in the country, but put them in it, but their fan bases never understand. So I get way more outrage from the you know, the Ohio State fans that don't understand how the coveted fifth spot works or the Texas fans that don't understand how to cover the fifth spot. I get way more flack from them than I do, you know, from our regulars. Are the Texas fans going to be all right when they're in the SEC and and no one cares that they're sensitive to horns down? <laughs> yeah, the I, I can tell you this. Last year, because we do Marty McGee in, on the road in the fall. So we were on the road 14 weekends last year. We were on 12 campuses. And, uh, and I can tell you, everyone has practiced up. Like, everyone, everyone's ready to go. They got it down. So, yeah. And no one's, no one's going to care. They've made it worse. You know, it's like I, I've told my, taught my daughter this. Don't, don't – if you have, a, you have a, a, a zit on your face, don't walk around pointing at it because then everybody's going to stare at it. If you're Texas, you've drawn so much attention to horns down, people know about it now. They didn't even know about it two years ago. It's because you're whining about it all the time. So, yes. No one in the conference is going to care. What I'm looking forward to is, you guys know this, people in the SEC live in a very insulated world. Like when I went to, I went to Tennessee, my freshman year at Tennessee, we played UCLA in the Rose Bowl like week two. And I remember I just going, whatever, man, that's easy. Well, you know, it's not easy. They got Tommy Maddox. They got Charles Arbuckle. They're really, really good. You know, Terry Donahue's a coach, Hall of Famer. And they're like, nah, nah, psh, yeah, they're not in the SEC. I'm like, that's when I learned, oh, they don't watch football outside of their bubble. And so I'm really excited for Tennessee fans to experience Texas and to experience Oklahoma. I think I think Norman's one of the most amazing places in the world to watch college football game. It's one of the smartest crowds you'll ever sit with. Um, and then I'm excited for, for Oklahoma and Texas to experience, you know, the SEC. And so Texas got a little taste of Alabama. Oklahoma was at Tennessee a couple of years ago. But the big shocker for me growing up on Tobacco Road was when I moved uh, into the SEC as a college student. I remember we played like Mississippi State. I remember calling home and going, is it like this every weekend? I don't, hell, I don't, I don't even heard of Mississippi State. You know, these guys are fighting in the stands and everything else. So, yeah, that's – that's and that's why the Sun Belt's awesome because you guys know I wrote a column about it last year about owning the regionalism, right? I mean, owning the, and these rivalries that I grew up with in the Southern Conference, you know, Marshall and App State and Georgia Southern and, and all the, – the fact that they all – they all are playing again. James Madison, the fact they're all playing again and they have history and they genuinely do not like each other. I love it. That's why, that's why it's awesome. I think that's all we have for you, Ryan, the, the way too early quick prediction. How do you see 24 shaking out in the Sun Belt? Who's your favorite early on knowing that you have no idea who who's good and who's bad. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, hold, well, but we'll hold you to it. Yeah, well, it's just – part of what I love about the conference, too, though, is is the fact that you, you come to me two years ago and tell me Troy's going to win 11 games in 23. I'm going to tell you, you know, put down whatever it is you've been drinking. And, and they did it. And so that's why I love it is because there's movement, you know. But, I mean, listen, um, there's no reason to think that James Madison is not going to be really good again. Um, and, and, uh, and now playing with a chip on their shoulder. You know, last year I write these essays for college game day. And I wrote this whole thing last year. I, I hate politics, but I wrote this fake political ad, you know, that was endorsed by James Madison, you know, put us in a bowl game, right? 
and then it went and lost the game. <laughs> I was like, you guys are killing me. I, I wrote this whole beautiful essay lobbying for you guys, and then you go they lose the damn football game. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, but yeah, but there's no reason to think they're not going. I mean, you, you guys tell me. I've not done the research yet, but I I don't I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're not going to be really really good again. I think I they think should the early favorite. Go ahead, Shane. They they should be good again. App's going to be good. I don't know. I mean, it'll be a different look for JMU this year. With uh, probably won't throw the ball as much as they have been. Well, the App's weird. You know, I live I live in in North Carolina. I've got an entire branch of my family that went to App State. Actually, my dad got his master's there when I was little. I grew up in Boone when I was a kid in the summertime. I, I love it there. My daughter's actually up there right now visiting friends, and, and it's um. Uh, but it's an interesting time for App State. You know, it, it's um, you know, it's uh, I mean, nine wins is great if you're anybody other than them. And so it, 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 it's an interesting, it's an interesting time for that program. And I'm curious to see, you know, how they respond to what was a really bizarre year. I think, and and obviously I'm close to it just because of bloodlines and being in North Carolina. But but it's uh, I'm always fat to me. With the, with the greatest respect to everyone else, the profile of the Sun Belt nationally hinges on App State. It does. That's the program that that I think people know of um, outside of you know you you kind of the hardcore Sun Belt fans. And so I'm really curious to see with App State, you know, where they are and where they're headed because um you know again nine wins is great for everyone else, but uh but it, it, it's never going to satisfy those people up there. Certainly not going to satisfy my uncle who won't <laughs> wear me out. You know. Ryan, we can't thank you enough. Tell everybody how they can get some more Ryan McGee in their life on the X and so on. Yeah, well, it's at uh, ESPN McGee on Instagram and on the the X Twitter, whatever whatever we're calling it. Um, I think I have a TikTok account, but I never look at it because I don't want like Chinese. I don't want the Chinese government to look at my phone, right? <laughs> that's what we're, that's what they're telling me is happening now. But no, and and obviously Marty McGee uh, every Saturday morning, uh, six a.m. Central, seven a.m. Eastern on ESPN radio on the sec network. And, uh, we've had a lot of Sunbelt people on our show and, um, and, and people think we're just going to sit there and talk about Alabama football for three hours. And we, we, we don't even really talk about sports. So everybody tune in and, uh, you know, you can yell at me about having your team in the bottom 10. <laughs>